Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. Well, all right. Hello, hello, hello. Another month. So, so good to hear you again. (laughs) Um, At least in this medium, uh, you know, we talk often, but um, yeah, just so good uh, for this time. Um, I'm just so blessed. Um, the highlight of my month, uh, just to be able to do this and to receive um, uh-huh. through the course of our study, um, just to see what the Lord does through um, his word and just through yeah. um, faithful gleaning. Um, man, I was just so impacted by um, Colossians this time around. Um, I mean, it, it's a book that um, I've read numerous times, but for some reason, this one just hit me so differently. Um, I felt like the word just came alive in such a new way. Um, even just, um, fresh, um, content that I felt like, man, like, did I really just like gloss over that before? Like, what was going on? Like, I know it was in there, but like, man, it just was like, man, it was another, like Hebrews four twelve really, uh, came, uh, to bat this time around. And I was just so blessed by, um, the book. How was, how was studying and just kind of preparing for you? Pretty much everything you said, I mean, you took the words right away from me, but um, very much similar to you where I've done numerous studies, like personal studies, not just for teaching purposes, uh, but personal studies of Colossians, even within the last few years recently. And um, just to take away the things that I gleaned this time, totally new insight, totally fresh revelation. And I was just so grateful and just so delighted. And it's just amazing that you can read the word as often as we read the word and really feel like it's not mundane and boring and like it's not just, you know, stale. It really is feeding you new things. It really is giving you something uh, fresh every time I approach it. So it was awesome. No, it was really wonderful. So. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm just, I'm always excited because of not only the fact I get to do this with you, but just because of that. Like, I mean, it's a joy to read a book, to study, um, but then also just to see what God does through it for my own soul. Mm-hmm. So before even hitting <laughs> the paper, just what, what God shows me. So, um, and like I said, I know that you've received the same. So, um, yeah, without further ado, um, man, this particular book. Um, as I was kind of reading it this time around, like I said, um, you know, normally I would kind of just really like drop my, my anchor on chapter three. Um, but even just kind of, you know, from, from verse number one of chapter one, I really just begin to see this repetitive theme of just a few words. Um, and those words for me were, were faith, hope, and love. And, and I just saw that recurring theme all throughout. And so, um, that was just something that I felt was not something I had kind of took away in times past, but, um, yeah, just to kind of break those down a little bit, um, you know, faith, hope, and love are obviously the essence of the Christian life. Um, and, and a way to kind of connect the dots is, um, to describe them in terms of time. So, um, our faith is connected to the past work of Christ. Our hope is connected to our future glory in Christ. And I would say that love is the present expression of both of those. Um, and so definitely just kind of going into detail, um, on those three kind of, as we go into this today, but that's kind of really, um, where we'll kind of just drop our hat on today. Um, So chapter one, um, we'll start with faith. Um, And just really, like I said, he just comes out. I love his salutations. Um, I know sometimes, you know, we kind of just assume that, hey, he's just greeting people and it is what it is. It's just like saying, hey, what's up? How y'all doing? You know, Um, but there's really some nuggets in there because it's not like every time he wrote a letter, he said exactly the same thing. Uh, You know, there's some kind of, you know, 
similarities, but, you know, the way that he greets them was for a purpose, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it kind of sets up the tone of like why he said what he said. And so um, verse two in chapter one, he says to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our father. So he called them faithful. And again, we're talking about faith, hope and love. So not only did he call them saints, which is something that he typically does, um, but he also said faithful brothers. Um, and so he called them faithful. Um, and then he gets into verse four and he begins to commend them for that faith. He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So we see that faith and love was on full display and in full effect. And, you know, faith is a result of their trust and dependence. Um, and one thing that really stuck out to me is that, you know, thinking about faith in, in general. And, you know, when we think about, you know, testimony service. I remember growing up, we would always testify and other people would testify uh -huh. and we'd be encouraged by that faith. Right. But um, uh -huh. he was inspired by that testimony but not only that like that faith traveled <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he said because we heard of your faith you know what i'm saying like right. from a distance so he wasn't even in the building and he heard of that faith you know what i'm saying and so the fact that that faith carried that far i think about myself you know how far does my faith travel you know how far would people hear of, of the faith that i have um, not only faith in christ but just being faithful to christ right <laughs> because a lot of people uh -huh. can say i have faith in god you know what i'm saying but like then to go beyond and say like I have faith in God, you know what I'm saying? And, and my faith goes beyond the fact that I know God, but I'm faithful and steadfast in the midst of that faith. So yeah. um, that's what I loved about that is the fact that it carried beyond um, just knowing that they were all in the body of Christ and that things were just working. So um, just that little piece of faith, like what what did you kind of gather from, from chapter one, from that point? So really, I mean, the whole section there, um, it gave me the concept of being planted um he talked about bearing fruit in that verse that you mentioned you know um verse nine you know he said we now stopped praying for you since we first heard about you so you talked about the faith they're talking about from having heard about their faith mm -hmm. in christ so we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about that and we ask god to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding um, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and praise you need and may be filled with joy. So that's 9 through 11 of chapter 1. And being planted is rooted in that passage there because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that the parable of the sower talks about the seeds that are sown and the seeds are the word of God. And so clearly that all ties together. And in order for you to even become faithful, you have to have been planted and rooted and grounded in the word that you hear. That. <laughs> so that's what jumped out at me this time around. Like I've read this so many times and that wasn't something that literally screamed at me from the page until this time reading it. And in order for you to do, as he's saying, we're praying for you to be filled with knowledge of his will, and you're always talking about that. What is the will of God? Our sanctification from mm. Thessalonians. Yeah. And how can you walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord unless you are planted in God, mm. um, rooted and grounded in Him, bearing fruit? You can only bear fruit if the seed that is sown goes down, go through that whole parable over again. It has to get planted. It has to take root. It has to do its whole job, be watered, be nurtured, and all those things. And then fruit has to be produced. So... I just love that, um, and that's that's basically where I got that concept of being planted. And then also, if you just want to kind of add 21 through 23 real quick to just kind of cap that off, it says, this includes you who are once far away from God, 
you were his enemy separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself to the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Here's the key. 23, he says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So again, if you take this idea of being planted and now personalize it and say, I am planted, you have to continually believe the truth of the gospel and stand firmly in it. When you're planted and rooted in something, no one can sway you, uproot you, and pull you out of that thing. So he's encouraging them and telling you that through his prayer for you, his prayer and his hope is that you don't drift away from the word and the assurance you see when you heard the word. Again, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So when you receive that gladly, you heard it, you received it, and now you're obeying it, you're firmly planted in that truth. And that's what I took away from that. So what do you think? Mm. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, that? That's so good. And I like how you, again, just how the, the two you know thoughts correlate because, you know, I was talking about faith and you're talking about being planted. And, um, you know, you were saying, um, you know, planted and rooted, <laughs> you know, and the things that I wanted to kind of pull out of that is bearing fruit and increasing. <laughs> right. So uh, the fact that you're planted, you know, obviously, so that's the foundation and then you're rooted, like you're digging deep and you're establishing a proper and, and strong foundation so that you can remain steadfast. But then, you know, going back to that verse nine through 11 that you mentioned, uh, verse 10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Like what that stuck, what stuck out to me in that is, you know, it kind of took me back to Psalm 1, um, where, um, you know, it says, you know, obviously blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Um, uh-huh. When you go down to verse 3, it says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. Now, right. somebody obviously, you know, looking at that could say, man, you know, I want to prosper and, and whatever I do. And, and you kind of look at it from a prosperity type, but we understand it as you know like the bible says in, in james like you will lack no nothing like you'll be perfect and complete perfect and mature mm-hmm. like that's the that's the maturity that paul even in this passage is thinking about when he says and so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding like he's not asking mm-hmm. for you to prosper <laughs> naturally although right. you know that might feel good and, and we might desire that but that's not the kingdom agendas for everybody to be rich right so understanding that he wants you to be rich in christ again going back to philippians that we talked about last month is that you can discern between the knowledge of good and evil so the fact that you continue to grow and you're planted that allowed them to be steadfast and that was the fruit of the fact that their faith was on full display and so um I also like Philippians 2.13 that says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work yeah. for his good pleasure. So, like, we can't increase apart from the Spirit. Like, we need God mm-hmm. in order to, to grow and to increase. And so, you know, we can be rooted and planted, but what are we rooted and planted in? Christ, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, we're, we're not rooted and founded in our own. And so, the fact that he, he says that you're increasing in the knowledge of God, as you're increasing in that, you're, you should be decreasing in self, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, it's that whole decrease to increase model is the fact that as you decrease, God can increase. As you begin to get rid of yourself and you establish yourself firmly in Christ, um, then you'll begin to see the fruit of that faith that you proclaim. So, um, yeah, I love it. And, and you know, just to kind of what I, I closed down on that is that um, the beauty of the gospel was set up to highlight three things. Um, our redemption, 
which is the fact that we're freed in Christ, um, our response, which is fellowship in Christ, and then our real hope, which is found in Christ. So this whole thing has to do with Christ. And so the fact that we're thinking about being faithful, like, are we faithful to the gospel? Like, are we faithful to the fact that Christ is everything? And so the fact that despite hardship, despite all the chaos and the persecution that they endured, they were able to look at, keep their eyes on Christ and recognize that he was everything and that there was a hope that was at the end of that faith. Like, it wasn't just like, man, like, because, and I think you might have said it, like, their faith was not rooted in what they saw, but what they knew. And so the fact that they knew God that allowed them to be steadfast right <laughs> and so when we look yeah. at ourselves and we can see man like you know i'm faltering or you know i'm doubtful um you know what did the 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 ruler say you know help my own belief you know what i'm saying like we have to be able to get to a point where we're recognizing that if our hope is laid in christ we should be able to rest confidently in that and not waver or falter between the two so um yeah, I love the fact that faith was the first thing, uh, because without faith, it makes it really difficult to have hope, right? And so, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, the only other one thing I want to add to that is just, you know, with the whole idea of being planted. When you say, I'm planted, if you even look at that word, I'm planted, two separate words, and then take that contraction off and make it one word. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Go, girl. Man. So what's rooted in you that needs to be uprooted? Y'all don't need That's chapter two. That. Y'all don't need chapter two. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Man. See, that's why I love it. Because, see, I didn't even get that. So the fact that you, I'm even learning right here. Like, man, just. Man. We'll do chapter two next month. I need to sit right here. <laughs> man, praise God for that right there. That was good. That was good. Oh, wow. All right, um, you better have one for, for chapter two. I'm gonna I'm throw this phone. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> Man, all right. So we got faith, we got planted. So we're moving into hope. Um, it's chapter two. So um, I did see a little bit of chapter one, kind of as it's moving into that, but. Um, if you look at verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So, um, obviously, you know, we got to define hope and what is hope. Hebrews 11.1 1 is probably one of the best places to go. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so, when we think about hope, like, what are we trusting in? Like, when, when we say that we have hope and we have belief, that should breed confidence in the thing you hope for, which is Christ. So, again, we can get real practical with this and think about the fact that like how much do we trust in god like think about the disciples that were with him every single day saw miracles you know what i'm saying um uh -huh. i mean had that power walking right alongside of them and they still doubted still were yeah. immature still was thinking about pride and wanting to be the best and and all of those things so when you think about that like we definitely aren't any better than them right like we're still making those same mistakes we're still uh we, we have that same body of flesh that they did and so um we falter in our hope, but that hope should be grounded in our faith, right? So again, you know, uh -huh. what, what did Jesus say to them? Like, oh, you little faith, right? Um, yeah. And so just going back to, to highlight a couple of things you said. So uh, back to, to chapter one, verse 23, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation. So again, like that faith stems from the hope that we have. So we should be able to look at Christ and say, because you are who you say you are. And I was even reminded of that this past week about just the power of Christ. Like if he has such a transforming power, 
is it truly transforming us? Like, is it uh-huh. actually doing its work? Or is it just something that we know is possible, but we don't actually believe it for us? Like, if it's truly transforming, like, that transformation means that you have to look different. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Like, man, did you change? Like, man, I can't tell the difference. Like, you clearly know. Like, it's like a fresh haircut. Like, you know when you transformed, like, something happened. Something is different. And so... Right. Um, Faith and comfort are often at war, and an increase in faith requires you to get uncomfortable to believe in a greater capacity. And so, um, for me, I was really drawn to the fact that um, he was preaching a message of hope because that allowed them to center around their faith. Um, Uh And chapter two, I'll just read this real quick. This is two through four, and I'll let you jump in. It says, um, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So again, when you know what you know, that should allow you to be able to walk in a situation in which you have confidence in God, because Uh God is who he says he is and if we trust that he says that he is who he says he is then we shouldn't be um we shouldn't be desperate and thinking like man like is this going to happen or 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 what does this mean or or where am i going to go like we we have such a, a a fleshly perspective when it comes in i'm definitely guilty of that like we have a fleshly perspective of not trusting in god when we're getting in a hard situation and i know we've talked about that like many of times but like we get hopeless when we feel like the situation is hopeless and it's like well wait god ain't <laughs> ain't nothing changed with him you know what i'm saying but everything uh-huh. changes with us and our perspective then shifts and then we we begin to doubt the power of god not that we don't believe that god is but we're doubting that power because of the fact that we don't have hope so your thoughts on that okay so i'm going to tie two points together because what i took away from this chapter was the idea of being persuaded um, and I'm going to tie that into with the planted um, concept as well. So when we look at chapter 1, 21, because I want to bring three of those verses before I use within chapter 2. 121, out of what you said, was so good. You said, if, it's, if the word is truly transforming, if their faith is truly transforming, you have to look different. Mm. And so... 121 said this includes you who were once far away from God you were his enemies why because you were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions so that right there would be the transformed element in your life if you were truly transformed in your faith you're you would no longer have evil thoughts and you would not have evil actions if your faith is truly transforming and um 27 and 28 says for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is a secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, all the wisdom God has given us. Why? Because we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Mm. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The faith, the word that you hear, you begin to hear, receive, agree, and obey, execute, walk that stuff out, which then perfects you in your relationship to Christ, which then allows you to be presentable to God, acceptable in his sight. So, um, because I'm planted, I'm persuaded. And because I'm persuaded, therefore I'm planted. I'm persuaded by the word of God that it's true. I'm persuaded that what he said is right, and I should agree with what he's saying. Therefore, I'm going to plant myself and be rooted and grounded in him and allow the work to do the word to do a transforming work in my life. 
So then that just brings us to chapter two, four through five. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and your faith is strong. So back to how you said in the beginning, he heard about the faith in chapter one. He mm -hmm. heard about y'all's faith yep. from chapter one, yep. <laughs> right? So he's saying, I'm telling you this in advance because even though you're doing good, people are going to try to persuade you otherwise, mm. persuade you against the truth that you already have been doing well and receiving and operating in wow. and walking in. So they're going to have well-crafted arguments. Things are going to sound good. They're going to probably sprinkle a little Jesus on it too. But though I'm not in your face and though I'm not in the same building and though I'm not nearby you, my heart is with you and the spirit is with you. And I am rejoicing that you will live as you should and your faith in the Lord will be strong. Verse 6 through 7, he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, which, as we already read in chapter 1, by your evil thoughts and actions. Reflect his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in him, hmm. firmly planted, yes. right? Implanted, I'm planted in him, and now being continually built up in him, and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. Verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the tradition and musings of mere men, but following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. So, all of these things, I'm just saying, add to the whole idea of being planted because when you are planted firmly in the truth, then no one should be able to take you outside of what you have been taught through the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> what are your thoughts? So, so that right there, like... You said something that was just like super deep and I'm going to try to find it... Um, but you, you basically went in with, with like, if you're rooted in the truth, mm -hmm. like, think about it like this. So, like, I love Acts 2, right? And, and Acts 2, 42 says they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Like, okay. once you know the truth, you should be able then to counteract truth. Because, right, like, yeah. if, if I walked up to you and said 2 plus 2 is 5, you should be able to tell me that I'm lying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so we should be able to look at it and recognize, like, that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? And so, right. and again, that's why, in a, and you perfectly hit it, that he went back to five, to chapter 1 about it, their faith. Because if you have faith in something and you're grounded in that and you're deeply rooted in that and that's why i'm praying that you're protected in that because if you are planted in that then when somebody comes up to you you could be like nah that, that, <laughs> you tripping you know what i'm saying and and that's why i love like when he goes deeper because you know in verse 16 um and 18 he says uh therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath yeah. in the verse 18 let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on a detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind like what you said earlier um and i believe you were reading in the amplified if i'm not mistaken um okay. in verses six and seven um i'm yeah. sorry it was verse eight um about the traditions of men like that's the difference yeah. be because truth like bible says let god be true and every man be a lie <laughs> right yeah. so when you're telling the truth 
you're speaking of God, right? Uh-huh. So you should be able to look at that. And when I look at these things, like it's questions of things that are, are so surface level that we, we we should be able to come to the Bible and okay, if, if the Lord says something about that, like this is what we're going to hang on. Like I'm not going to sit here and just listen to you because anytime someone comes to me with something, especially if I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. I'm going to say, can you point it to me in scripture? Because if we yeah. can't get to that point where we're doctrinally applying the word, then yeah. everybody's going to be right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're not going to be able to look at anything and be like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, we have to be able to look at that and say, okay, like, what does the Lord say about this? And if the Lord has okay. something to say about it, like, you better have the same thing to say about that. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's where that whole First John comes into play. Because, again, like, if you are in here, you have to be practicing what you're planting, right? So you can't okay. be watering something that you didn't plant. You know what I'm saying? So if you wow. have the seed of Christ in you... That's what you water in, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what you're growing up. Like you can't you can't plant Christ and then have the devil. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you don't water wow. that. And so so that's where I'm at with that whole situation. Um Let me hold but, up. That went on my notes. <laughs> but this but this one was it, it's hard to be deceived when you're deep. So get rooted so you don't get routed. Wow. Okay. So let me just say this one last. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Because you you said you know you kind of highlighted that really quick, and I just want people to understand this thing about tradition because the thing about tradition is it's a dangerous thing, and I actually have preached sermons about this you know a while back. But um, what tradition really is, it's a um, handing down of information or belief or customs and you're passing it down and or you are inheriting it um, by word of mouth and or by example from one generation to another and here's the key without written instruction so there are like um, celebratory traditions that families pass down there are like just in general customs that people just think are cute to do you know that we just pass down from one generation to another and we don't ask questions because that's just what we've always done and that's what they've always done and it's not in a handbook anywhere it's definitely not in a bible but we just do them example tooth fairies christmas celebrations um other holiday festivities different family things that people just pass down it's not written anywhere your grandma told you your mom told you her grandma told her her mom told them and it's been going and going and going. And no one asks questions until you start to become spiritually enlightened. And as you grow in the truth, then questions get raised. Like, well, why do we do this? You know, even as far as celebrating Halloween, there used to be things that that's a tradition in itself that is, we're not going to go into this whole tailspin about that, but that is something that has been passed down, passed down, passed down. And people don't ask questions about it. You just celebrate it. And then when you decide to stop as an individual, you had to ask yourself, well, why was I celebrating this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, it's always been done. No one ever told us the reason why we did it. We just did it. And then when you start looking into it for yourself, then you make a decision. Oh, I don't need to be doing this. Or I don't want to do this. And that's why you stop. But that's where traditions come from. And so when you think about what traditions are about and why the Bible talks about traditions of men and philosophies, if it doesn't come from the word of God, then like you said, it needs to come to the book. You know, there are some traditions that are kind of like, okay, you can get away with them. It has no bearing on salvation, heaven or hell, and that's fine. 
but then other ones are just like really, really dangerous and straddling the fence and really can persuade you away from the truth of the Lord. And again, back to just the character of Christ, evil thoughts, evil deeds. And those are the things that you really want to reevaluate that you don't allow to persuade you away from the truth that you've been taught. And you cannot allow other people to come to you with empty philosophies, high sounding nonsense that come from human reasoning. And as the new living would say, the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Jesus. Yeah. And that's exactly where I was going to go, you know, because Paul said that, uh, you know, he came to preach Christ and Christ crucified. So like if his message was only Christ, like, what are we preaching? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what are we focusing on? Like, we shouldn't be focusing on these these ancillary things that, at the end of the day, are not pointing people to Christ. Like, yeah, some of those things, like you said, are important. But if we're if the true core of our message and the foundation of our message is not Christ, then we have to really evaluate that. Because, yeah. again, like, our, our goal is, um, you know, for men to see our good works and glorify God. Not to glorify us, not to say, hey, this is my opinion and I think you should be doing this. Like... And let's thus say it, the Lord, like, <laughs> we don't really get to look at people and say, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, right. Unless it's in the word of God and what she says, hey, this is a clear commandment. But we, we can't be descriptive about what we think is important for us and not preach the, the kingdom of God. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I just wanted to add that little piece to that. Absolutely. All right. So nothing fantastic on that one with the, <laughs> with the little acronym? No, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I told you I'm right this time. Yeah. But I, I like the, the fact that, you know, again, hope and persuasion, like when you're you're hopeful because of the fact that you're persuaded, like you're you're resolute in that. And yeah, um, I just I love the, the synchronism of that. All right. Chapter three, we move into the third uh, quality, which is love. Um, and we've talked a lot about love at length. Um, obviously, um, the Lord uh, deals very heavily with love, um, I believe. Um, he even indicated that first <laughs> Corinthians 13, 13, um, now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Um, mm-hmm. and not only that, but, um, you know, the great commandment was summed up in love <laughs> in Mark 12, 30 through 31, where he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no other commandment greater than these. Um, the fact that love wasn't just an emotion but a quality of life like i think sometimes we forget that right like Uh we say that we love god and we love people emotionally speaking like and and i say that because of the fact that we we are very loose with our emotions to where when we really feel in the situation we stop loving (laughs) and and it gets to a situation where love if we're really going to be about the bible um going back to first Corinthians 13 Love never fails. Um, and so um, if we say that we love something, um, it's an inward emotion that is confirmed by outward expression. So classic example, I love ice cream. Like, love ice cream. I eat ice cream every night, you know what I'm saying? Because I love ice cream. So I'm showing an outward expression to an inward emotion. So if we say that we love God and we love people, then that means that that love has to extend so far that it shows outwardly and we don't get to not love in a moment. Um, and doesn't, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be disappointed or frustrated by things or any of that, but that doesn't change. Like the, the fact that we are those things 
that means that our love should now be um that should rule how we respond in moments of disappointment not to, to say well you can't be disappointed because you love me it's no i'm disappointed therefore i'm going to love you in such a way that even though i'm disappointed that i'm still loving you in my actions and i think that's something that sometimes we forget um and so um that was one of the things that really stuck out to me um is recognizing the love that that we have for others um what, what did you you see so far when you talked about agape love, I actually recently just heard someone um, preaching, and when they talked about agape love, what he said was, agape love is doing the right thing regardless of how you feel. And so when I think about what you said about love and how we as people love, we have reduced love to a fickle feeling and an erratic emotion, mm. which means that however we're feeling dictates how we will love and manifest love. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be true followers of the Lord Jesus and people who are looking to be faithful and pleasing him so that we can be like Paul's salutation, faithful brethren. (laughs) Okay. We have to have, um, our acts of love founded in the source, which is God. So as I have stated numerous times, we have insufficient funds. Mm -hmm. Perfect book to be in the chapter three um, that talks about we have died and our life is hidden in Christ and God. So Mm -hmm. if we have died, then technically we should not even be in existence to be talking about we can't do this or we have a hard time paying love forward. I don't have it, and I don't. Like, me, the flesh version of me, does not have it. The flesh version of me did not have it because it was in an opposition to God. Um, but God does. And if I'm allowing his spirit to live in me, as Colossians tells us that we are supposed to invite his spirit to do, and as the word throughout the New Testament um allows us to put ourselves forth, you know, living sacrifices in Romans, all these different opportunities for us to die to ourselves and to truly be alive in God. Um, It's him loving. It's not us. If we are saying that we are supposed to be like him, how many times have we seen him through the gospels love people who did not love him? Mm -hmm. To natural man's uh, fickleness and fickle nature did not deserve to be treated well. But he said, you have heard it said, love those who love you. Hate your enemies. But I tell you to do this. Um, so we have to follow his example. He was loving towards people that did not love him. He did kind gestures toward people who didn't, who were not kind to him. He says that he was kind to the evil and the unthankful. So people who don't even appreciate you, he was kind and loving to them. He says that he reigns on the just and the unjust. Um, So I'm saying all this to say that we are not to follow our feelings. We have to make our feelings catch up. We just have to do the right thing regardless and make our feelings catch up. Mm. But if we live in the spirit like Galatians tells us to do, then God's spirit is activated. And all the things that we want of the nature of Christ that Galatians chapter 5 talks about, all of those things, love is the first thing once you start going down that line of the fruit of the Spirit. So 
back to my actual point, what I got out of this is power. I'm empowered to love, mm. but I'm only empowered to love through the Spirit of God because mm. I have no power of myself. I am without power. Um, I'm impotent, actually, without the power of God. So chapter 3, 2 through 3, it says, Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, and not the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. Verse 5 says, So put to death and deprive of power... Mm the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual self-centered instincts. And you talked about um, what, what are we focused on? Are we focused on ourselves or are we focused on God, right? You said that a little bit earlier in, in a different context. Um, we have to deprive of power the longings of our flesh that wants to be hateful, that wants to render evil for evil. We have to be empowered by the spirit that we say that is alive in us. Um, because our real life is hidden with Christ and God. Continuing to read that verse, um, chapter 5, it says, Put to death the evil belongings of your earthly body, um, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Mm. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. So, how do you know if you're a son of disobedience? If you are a person who fails to listen, if you routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts, which this is a command to walk in love, to be loving, uh, to do all the things that you hear, see, and read in the Word. And in these sinful things, you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. So again, it's going to take us back to chapter 1, verse 21, when he says, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Now, I'm layering this because you brought us into all this by saying he greeted the brethren as faithful brethren mm -hmm. and how he commended them for their faith. And he's talking to people that are faithful now who were enemies of God, who were once separated from God by their evil thoughts and actions. And he's reiterating it this chapter by telling them, you also walked in these things when you were, past tense, habitually living in them without the knowledge of God. So before faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, before faith came to you, and before you heard of the faith in the word of God, you were habitually living in all the things I just described in verse chapter five and verse five. Mm -hmm. And you were a son of disobedience doing those things. But now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> you are empowered by the Spirit of God because what does the Bible say? The word that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. That's John 6 and 63. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the faith that you heard has been activated, has come alive. You were persuaded by the truth that you heard. You heard it. You received it. You believed it. You agreed, and you decided to walk it out, and now you're living it habitually. So you are empowered to live a godly life that is pleasing to the Lord, and you are empowered by the Spirit, the same Spirit, to walk in love. That's how I mesh that together. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> I love it. 
that's what I had. No, it's all Sorry. great. No, I love it. Um, so I'm going to just kind of come back to uh, verse 7 um, and go a little bit there. Um, so, you know, you, you beautifully talked about the fact that it was the past. And it said, and these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after image of its creator. So the thing I liked about that is the fact that it's a clear distinction between past and present. Like he said, you used to be this way. Uh, and so if it's former, it shouldn't be a problem having a desire to put away old mannerisms. Like if that's no longer you, it shouldn't be a problem for you to stop doing that. And 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 when I say to stop doing that, not the effect, because obviously, again, you're talking about being empowered. Like you can't do it apart from the spirit of Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I say that it shouldn't be a problem, your heart <laughs> should not have an issue <laughs> with choosing to Come put on, on the new self. Yes. Because, again, like fleshly like we're in a body of flesh so we're gonna have to fight that each and every day and and i'll kind of talk more about that fight in in chapter four but like it's a daily struggle we know that so understanding that that means that you need to be empowered in order to stop struggling (laughs) you know what i'm saying like but again like that struggle is the struggle a fight that you want to have where you're saying okay god like i'm gonna fight my flesh because i recognize that i need to put to death this flesh so is that okay. where the struggle or is the struggle of like okay like i'm gonna just continue to do what i want to do and and i'm struggling to for my heart to not be where it shouldn't be like there there's this thing about the difference between what you feel in your mind because again he says set your mind uh yeah. in christ whereas understanding that your mind and your heart are connected in a sense but your body like you're gonna have to crucify your flesh like that's just Uh we we know that but are you also crucifying your mind to say okay like lord i've surrendered that because if i am dead then that means that who i was because i'm now hidden in christ if i'm supposed to look like christ and what should be showing i should have a heart and a delight for that because i've made that decision so when we've crossed over like again this is your former manner of life this is not a a life that you're like "Eh, i don't know yet like i'm not really trying to give that up no, you've already established that you gave it up. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so that's the whole point of chapter three. Like, this is former. We're not, we're not speaking to people that. And and you you talked about sons of disobedience. Like, that's not you. Um, so, because that's not you, the only way that you're going to know that it's not you is by recognizing that you put this off, and that you're going to put on the new self by identifying with Christ. So, if we're going to identify, then we need to identify all the way and and step all the way in. Don't, don't be half stepping or or. Thinking, well, you know, I can, I can have these. Like, there is a standard of of holiness that the Lord requires. Yeah. We can't justify our actions and say, well, this person made me mad, so that's why I did it. Well, but yeah. is it? But is it sin? Like, like we understand why you did it because we're fleshly and and you're sinful and and okay, but we can't justify the action. You still have to recognize and point to that and say that was not right. I need to repent of that. I need to walk away from that and truly step away and put on righteous behavior. So when we say that we repent, we're actually walking away from the things that we say that we did. You can't continually make a mistake because then that means that you're now habitually doing something. So that's where Uh we get into this whole thing about like, yeah, well, I'm I'm struggling. But what are you fighting? Like when, if you're truly struggling with something, there's a difference between you actually struggling because you're not willing to crucify your flesh and then actually fighting and contending to be the person that you say you are. So 
you're only struggling because you didn't choose to fight the fight that you should have fought, which is fighting the good fight of faith. So uh, uh, we, uh. That, that's a whole nother sermon <laughs> where they go there. But I mean, we, we have to really get to that point where we're recognizing, like, if we're surrendering to if we're if we're continuing to fall victim to a sin and a habitual sin, are we willing to struggle to to defeat that? Like, it is a true fight. We can't just say, well, it's hard. No. I, yeah, it is. And that's why we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm not sitting here saying it's easy because every day right. I have to make a decision of wh- whether or not exactly. I'm going to follow Christ with my whole body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Eyes, nose, ear, all that. Like, yeah. I can't just say, well, this one, like, okay, like, he got enough of me or I'm going to be at church tomorrow. Like, no, the standard is perfection in Christ. Uh-huh. Again, not to say that we can't ever fail, but if you're intentionally thinking that it's okay to have a spot of failure... Like, that's not what the Lord says in the word. Like, that's not the doctrine of sanctification. So I think we have to get to that place. So I'm not saying be perfect and don't ever fail. And if you do, you're out. But if you're not striving for that, then you're going to end up struggling because the struggle really is real. And whether or not you're going to tell the line of, okay, Lord, I want to be like you. And it's going to be tough because I live in this world where ain't nobody else really trying to be like you. Uh And I got to be about it. Or, yeah, I'm going to struggle because I'm not really thinking that much about my faith. So that's really where that comes down. But kind of got off a little bit i'm going to uh um, <laughs> go ahead go ahead let me say one thing it is just one thing because that is so good what you're saying and i feel like all of that boils down to agreement like you either agree with the lord or you don't agree with the lord and so like you're talking about daily decisions like it, every day we make daily decisions that what god desires is right and what he wants is righteous and it's is better than what we feel it should be, which is why he's God. You know, the reason why we were enemies with uh, uh, to God before is because we didn't agree with him. Mm-hmm. And we thought his way was not the right way. And we thought our way was the truth. And we thought our way was the better way. And so even when you talk about this concept of, of loving one another, you know, if God is love, right, then that means when I say I love you, we can just replace um, all of that by saying, like, when I will apply God in place of that. So if I really don't love you, God loves you. I, mm. I, the flesh me does not love you. I literally do not love you, but God does. And so the spiritual aspect of me has to agree with the word that God says everyone deserves to be loved. You know, love my enemies, love your wife, love your kids love one another they literally love everyone in your vicinity (laughs) so by you not doing it you're disagreeing with the word of god and so we have to apply god to those places where it's more difficult to love like when it's easy to love you know i don't want to say you're doing it without god but you feel like you need less help from the lord to love somebody who is easy to love which is why he said well what credit do you get if you only love those that love you, because mm. that's not hard to do. Yeah, It's harder to love those people who are difficult, who hate you, who are evil, who deserve, so-called, to be hated because they're hateful people. That's the people I'm actually commanding you to love because you already love the other people that it's easy to love. So by you disagreeing with God, you're basically saying that your feelings matter more than what God is saying and requiring of you. Mm. And that's what I wanted to throw in there. That's good. That's good. 
Yeah, well, that's a good segue of where I was going to go. Um, is just you know how are we supposed to treat one another, and that's love. Um, and verse twelve, um, he says, "Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love." which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Why do I say that? And why is that super important? Because again, we sometimes gloss over things or not really see the depth of, of, of the Bible. And that's what I've Uh just loved about just these times with you, because we're really trying to just like stop and slow it down and say like, let's not gloss over this because again, like we've all read Colossians, but like, in this context, we're seeing Colossians in a different light. And not that anything okay. that we read before was out of context. That's just the beauty of, again, Hebrews 4.12 about the word being uh, alive and active. But love, like, why I'm so adamant about this is because, one, because God is. But two, because this is the, the true essence of who we are as believers. And it, it impacts every single component of every single relationship. So, again, like, we love God. You, you've been talking all this time about the fact that it's very difficult to love people who, you know, come against us, who are unlovable, all of that. Like, and you've, you've beautifully, you know, unpacked that on several occasions. I won't go there. But if you think about what he said here, he said, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he goes into this. Like, all of these have to do with things that are in relation to one another. He says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other like why is that important because most of us probably wouldn't think that that's sin when we're not doing those things like we can wow. easily just be like okay like i wasn't compassionate today oh somebody cut me off i can i can have road rage no you can't actually <laughs> you know what i'm saying because which one of the fruits of the spirit is that like and why is it okay in that mm-hmm. certain situation but then in this situation like we're flip-flopping and so I, I think it's important that we begin to recognize that again sanctification has an appearance and i'm not i'm not here to say okay let's be aesthetic with it but like we understand that again sanctification has the same connotation as holiness so if if the will of god is our sanctification then that means the will of god is our holiness which means that being holy as he is holy is important again going back to salutations in verse 12 he says put on then so again he was already talking about put off the old self and put on the new self Uh he says put on then as god's chosen ones so he's already telling the chosen right but they already knew that because he called them saints which saints means holy ones and faithful brethren which means they're brothers in christ their family that is faithful then he says holy and beloved (laughs) so he says i love you and i want you to be set apart and holy (laughs) Then he goes into these things. So it's not just like, I mean, we have to really like slow this stuff down and really recognize like every single word matters. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then to the fact that if we're going to say like, okay, like be loving. You said it earlier and, and I think you said it great that we say love so flippantly. Like when you tell somebody you love them. I remember the first time I got a girlfriend, like I didn't say I love you the first day because as soon as you get to that point, like you're opening Pandora's box, like, oh my gosh, you love me. Like, and it changes like the whole day, right? Like it ain't, and y'all was already dating, but like, as soon as you say that I love you word, like then you can kind of like, you move to second base. Like you maybe get a kiss now. Like, you know, it's more than just holding hands. Like, okay. Like it changes the dynamic of the relationship when you say I love you. And it's like the best thing ever when you hear it the first time right and then after that it's just Uh like okay i love you like after every conversation you don't even really mean it when you say it like that's how loosely we've come with it that 
we're right. in danger of of failing to accomplish what he's truly saying here if we don't do that. And I love uh-huh. how you said that God is love. The fact that is is the word. Um, it's not saying God should be love or God oftentimes is love. Like it says God is, which means at all times he is Period. this. So if that is his standard, if that is his character, then when we love, that should be our character. Like it, it shouldn't yeah. be contingent upon the circumstances. Like if that's our character, then that's our character at all times. So that's why it's important for him to say, okay, look, you're chosen. Look, you, you said you was in here. You're holy with me. You're set apart and you're loved by me. So if I'm about to tell you something that you need to hear, like I'm letting you know who you are first, you need to do these things. Uh Then when he says like forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So again, he's beginning to unpack a doctrine of like, if you're going to say that you love, like this is the essence of our character. So yeah faith hope and love like obviously faith like we would say yeah our faith is important yes it is our hope is important because that's founded in, in christ but how we express faith and, and hope is our love right so if we love god undeniably and love people unconditionally like that is an expression of the fact that we have faith in god and we hope in him even when we don't have it to give so uh-huh. that's what i wanted to say with that um and just real quick and i know you probably want to jump on that is Three things that I, I, I pulled out of 15 is, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, um, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So love, I would say, is harmony. Um, peace um, is to be controlled by unity, and then thanks. And when you're thankful, you're full of gratitude. So it's really difficult to not be those things when you're thankful. Like, if you if you can always think of gratitude, then it's really hard to not be um, in a state of peace and harmony with other people. So it's easy to love when you're always recognizing that even though I don't like the circumstances, like I'm grateful, I'm thankful. Like you have a different perspective and a different mindset that allows you to shift. And I think you talked about that last month in Philippians, like your mindset allows you to be able to respond in a way in which you might not like the outcome. You might not like the circumstances, but you're able to let the peace of Christ rule and not yourself because you're unified and you recognize that the unity allows you to be peaceful and loving and then you're grateful because of the fact that you're you're able to walk in Christ and have your hope founded in Christ and not in your own desires and, and lusts. Yeah, just um, in a summary um, of faith, hope, and love, I think that um, just to kind of encapsulate all three of those in, in a, a summarizing thought is that our faith should lead to love grounded in the hope of Christ. Like, that's ultimately what the point is. Um, and I think that, um, you know, kind of how he closed out chapter three moving into chapter four was um you know he's talking about relations with people um and i won't really go into those relationships specifically but right before he got there um what was beautiful about that was in verse 16 he said let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god and obviously the cliche verse we couldn't leave off chapter three without mentioning that but um the reason why i mention it not just because it's cliche and popular but because it means something um and the this is let the word of christ um so the word the bible dwell in you richly um when you think about love we have to live like we already said that god is right so actively like we live this and so when i think of the word live um i think of taking residence and we can't have double occupancy so we we talked about all this in chapter three um if we're saying that we are in christ 
the word should be taking out the trash. Like straight up. <laughs> like, <laughs> so if the word is dwelling in us richly, if he lives here, he can't, he can't coexist with that. So like if you have trash in you, you should be allowing the word to do what it needs to do in order to wow. allow you to be who you need to be. So again, if your faith is rested in something that should lead you to love again, loving God and loving others in whichever way you're not honoring one of those two loves, the word should be checking that mm-hmm. which should be grounded in the the fact that you have a hope laid up in Christ in heaven. So um, I, I think we've been all year just kind of talking about how important the word is like, it comes down to this. Like when you're failing at something, are you allowing the word to be second Timothy three sixteen seventeen, 17, which is your correction and your training in righteousness and all of that. Like there's an answer for everything. If we allow ourselves to look for it and to realize that there is a way for us to get to that point. Um, then finally he says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and having spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So again, going back to verse 16 about, I'm sorry, verse 15 about being thankful. Um, we should also be willing to encourage one another by singing to one another. And again, when that is the the goal and the the practice that you're operating under, it makes it very difficult to not love somebody when that's the way that you're you're interacting with them. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, then moving into chapter four, um, verse two, he says, "Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving." Um, we have to pray. We have to be willing to seek the Lord to increase our faith, to mm-hmm. challenge our love, to um, express our hope. Like we need the Lord straight up. Like I cannot do this on my own. <laughs> I need the Lord. And so if I'm not willing to be steadfast in prayer and keeping my eyes open and being thankful why I have my eyes open, I'm going to be prone to be critical and prideful and, and all of the negative connotations that come with that when I let my flesh take over. So, you have to walk in the spirit like you said in galatians like if we're not walking in the spirit you will fulfill the lust of the flesh and it is really that practical of yes it's a fight and it's a a, it's a daily fight in which we have to make sure that we're constantly putting the gloves on to fight so that we can walk in the in the spirit but when anytime we take a day off or anytime we take a moment off like the enemy's ready to come pouncing on. So we have to uh-huh. constantly be steadfast in prayer and being watchful um, and thankful at the same time. So I'll let you jump in. So let me just, um, I'm going to go back over verse two that you just, because, um, you know, that, that's kind of what leads into what I have to say here. And I'm going to read it in Amplified. It says, be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, I want to start with the Thanksgiving part first, because you had already said in um, the previous chapter about giving thanks and um, when we're praying, be thankful. Um, Actually, you were talking about in chapter three um, with the love, peace and thanks. When you're thankful, you're full of gratitude. So it's important to always be thankful. Um, But I want to show that Paul was commanding this to them. But if you pay attention in chapter one, he was also showing by example that while he was praying for you, he was also giving thanks Mm. to show you a way to give thanks Mm. while you're praying. That's good. So we're going to visit chapter one real quick, and I'm just going to read it in KJV, the OG, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Verse three says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse 12, he says, 
giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13 says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So what is he giving thanks for? He's giving thanks for the faith that he heard of them, the saints and faithful brethren. Then he's giving thanks for um, being a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. And he's giving thanks for being delivered from the power of darkness. Mm -hmm. And he's giving thanks to God for being translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. He's giving thanks for having redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Mm -hmm. So this is in verse 14. He's giving thanks while he's praying. And so Paul continues to say this throughout his other, his other books as well. Don't pray to God without giving thanks. That's an element of prayer. Mm. <laughs> so if it's not very clear what my final point is, my final point is prayer. Mm. So in this sense, I am a prayer. Let's go. I am a prayer. Let's go. P-R-A-Y-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do I need prayer, but I am a prayer. Mm. <laughs> so I started with the word twist. I'm ending with the word twist. So, again, we just want to note Paul's prayer request. Um, we'll, we'll finish this real quick before I go to that. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. When you're being persistent in prayer, the word persistent means for a longer time than usual. Mm. Come on. <laughs> All right, y'all. See y'all next month. <laughs> so we, we're, we're Okay, Father God, uh, thank you for blessing me this morning. Um, thanks for my life, Father Strength. <laughs> you know, mm. bless me today at work. Uh, can you save today? Amen. Father, thank you for this food we're about to receive. Um, amen. Mm. <laughs> He's saying persist in prayer for a longer time than usual. And be devoted to prayer. I remember something that you might have known a little bit about. Wasn't there a group called DTC? I think it meant Devoted to Christ. Yeah, I remember that. Um, can you tell me what devoted means? I mean, just a little like, <laughs> definition real quick. You know, uh, no, if no, you've heard of them, can you just let me know what it means? No man can serve two masters. He would, he would be devoted to one and hate the other. <laughs> so so it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> So he's saying here to persist for a long time and longer than usual, continual, and then be devoted to prayer, which means that you need to make a commitment to be a prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Not just be a, not have prayer, but be a prayer. And in order to do this, you have to be alert, which means you can't be doing it right before you're going to bed, while you're falling asleep, you have to be be intentional about your prayer time. You can be doing this in the midst of other activity, but it has to be focused. You can be doing it on your drive to work instead of listening to music or on a phone call or other things. But it needs to be at a time where you will be alert and you will be literally um, coming to God with actual things. And as we saw, we're not just asking him for blessings. Paul was out here talking about, Lord, um, even though I'm going through my own persecutions right now, I'm just asking you to just uh, bless me and move my behalf. Like, he was already settled with all the stuff that he was supposed to be doing for the Lord. When he was in prison, when he was in his situations, everything he needed, he was good to go. He just wanted to be able to get his message out to his people, check on his churches, make sure his people were good, make sure I get some parchments so I have enough 
to spread it out to everybody. But other mm-hmm. than that, he wasn't asking, hey, can y'all pray for me to get out of here real soon? Can y'all pray that so-and-so will bring me this? Or can you pray for so-and-so? No, he was concerned about the people. And so when you see the, the, the things about Paul's prayers, they're beautiful because they were always um, not necessarily self-focused. They were always, like, rejoiceful. They were always um, about things that really mattered, you know? He's talking about praying for you to have knowledge of the will of God and mm. wisdom and spiritual understanding. Like, come on, let's step our prayer life up. Yeah. You know, have a fixed focus in your prayer life. And again, while you're praying to God, be thankful. So even if you're going through a challenge, what can you be thankful for while you're praying to God? So we looked at what he said, as we mentioned in verses 3, 12 through 14. Now, again, um, we'll look at verses 3 and 4, because this is Paul's request. He's saying, now, at the same time, pray for us, too. So we have been praying for you. We've been thanking God for you. We're rejoicing and praising over you. But here's a little bit that I just want you to think about us. While you're praying, because I'm telling you and encouraging you to be persistent and devoted to prayer, pray for us, too, that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word, to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison, that I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in the way I should. So again, Paul is saying, okay, you can pray for me too while I'm praying for you, but I'm not asking you to pray for me to get out of prison. I'm asking you to pray that God will open a door of opportunity for us to proclaim the word while I'm in prison. (laughs) You know, pray that I will speak clearly and boldly when those opportunities come. That's what he's asking for. So we even, this makes me even feel like this is like a challenge for us to evaluate the things that we're asking prayer for. Like, what kind of things do you ask for prayer when people are asking, like, what do you want to pray about? Or do you need prayer for anything? Like, these are the type of things that you should be concerned about. And verse 12, um, just in closing, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you. And this is what he's praying when he prays for you. Asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. My Lord Jesus. Mm. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. That when people are praying for you, that they're not praying that you're blessed, that you have money in your bank account, that your bills are paid, that everything is going smoothly for you emotionally in your life. They're praying that God will make you strong and perfect and confident following the whole will of God. Knowing that even if you're going through things, your challenges are perfecting and refining you. I'm done. <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> well, I ain't going to say much more. Uh, but something you said that just really stuck out to me, because um, you were talking about the fact that Paul wasn't selfish. He was in prison, and he said, basically, um, in my language, King David Version, um, he said, <laughs> he said, I'm not praying to get out, I'm praying for the word to get out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <Yes>. like <laughs> so, um, wow. and I'm just going, I'm just going to end it here. So verse 12, uh, you just mentioned about he prefaced, and he said, um, he's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. What was the reason that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God? I'm going to go back to first, the first chapter verse 29 and now i'm just gonna shut up this is paul 
Actually, let me go back to 28. So he says, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. He basically just said exactly what this man is doing. I'm doing the exact same thing for you. Like, like at the end of the day, the only thing we want to do, I don't care if I'm in jail. I don't care if I'm, wow. I, I want the storm to be gone. But hey, Lord, I trust you. It's all good. The one thing that I'm struggling with, and we already talked about fighting, like the one thing I am fighting for is you, <laughs> that you get mature. Wow. If you can understand the fact that somebody who's in a situation that's difficult is still mature enough to think about somebody else. Like, I don't know what else you need in your faith to be challenged enough to say, like, OK, Lord, like anything that I need to do to be more mature in Christ I can't continue to make excuses. Like this man was imprisoned. The man was beat to the point of death numerous times, shipwrecked, uh, starvation, like all of that. And yet, and still, he's still thinking about somebody else. He's right. not, he's not saying, Hey, send me some, some rations. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, right. it's, it's hard out here. Like none of that. <laughs> like he was like, uh. I mean, the fact that he mentioned prison, he was just saying like, this is why I am in prison is because right. of the word, but I'm still going to get the word out because even though I know this is the consequence, that's irrelevant so to have that much faith to still be like look like i'm struck like he wasn't saying i'm struggling personally he's saying i'm struggling for you which means like yeah. i'm willing to labor to the point of like exhaustion that you get everything you need so that you can be as perfect and mature as i'm claiming My in God. christ like i'm not asking you to give me anything i'm not like and he was even talking to the corinthians like yeah like you know i appreciate it like you can give but i'm not really i don't need it you know what i'm saying i'll take it Amen. but i don't need it like i'm not doing this for me i'm doing this for you you know what i'm saying so everything that he was was for other people when are we going to realize that when the struggle that we have shouldn't be because we're struggling with something in our flesh we should be struggling because we want to be more like christ or that we're struggling because we want someone else to be more like christ that's where our struggle should be so when we say like fight for it like and we just had a whole conference where we were talking about like hey i want to preach to others and i'm going to run and and all of that like it was for this point to get to the point where he's saying like i'm not i'm running so that other people can know christ i'm running and fighting so much and and sacrificing every part of me so that you can be more mature like is that really our aim or are we just like man like i wish i had more money man i wish things were better for me like yeah. bible says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness then all those other things yeah. be added to you. Yeah. like at some point it will be added to you but if that's your focus that's all you're gonna get and you ain't gonna have christ so you gotta make a decision on do you want the things or do you want god and I, again i'm preaching to myself because to struggle at that level to realize like, man, like, am I really truly thinking about everyone above myself in all circumstances? Am I truly like laboring to the point of exhaustion for the faith? Or am I just trying to make it to tomorrow? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really an example of like, that's where I want to get to, to where when I proclaim, like, people can hear about me from, from Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? Like, and not because I'm trying to be famous, but because of the fact that by, by you hearing of my faith, that allows people from here to Cleveland to know yeah, of about Lord. the Lord. So if you heard of me, that means you heard of God, which is great. Amen. So you can, you can X my name out. Just hear faith. And I'm glad that you heard of faith. You ain't got to hear about my status, what kind of house I got, what kind of car. I don't care about all of that. If you uh -huh. met Christ as a result of my faith, then I did something right. Praise that's the, the aim. So that's where we have to get to. And that's the struggle that we need to make sure that we're getting because that struggle is real. With that, I'm shut up. Wow. 
I mean, that's a mic drop. What else do you want? <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I know I'm preaching to myself. So, uh, don't take my passion as I'm spanking you because I'm 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 also in the hot seat. So, um, to that end, we'll we definitely all can yeah. Get it. <laughs> we um, all can get it. So yeah, this one I'm I'm definitely uh, I w- I want to come back to and really just just soak as a student fully, um, and really just allow the Lord's uh, work to be in it because this is truly. Um, and even last month in, in Philippians, we talked about just the, the perspective and the um, the focus of Paul. Like that ain't changing. You know, every mm-hmm. every prison epistle that he wrote, he wasn't thinking about the fact that he was in prison. Um, and that would be all that we wrote about. Like, man, I can't wait till I get out. Man, I can't wait for this. Man, what's what's going on out there? Like, what's new? Like, he was just like, is the word still being spread? That's what I'm hearing. Great, mm-hmm. awesome. Like, <laughs> let's go. Um, so. Yeah, if that if that's not convicting, I don't know what is. But, um, yeah. Come on, Pastor, pray us out. Father, um, I pray that you would truly um, help us to be the church, um, the church that, as you said in Ephesians three, that um, you want your glory to be set in. Father, um, I pray that we would be um, a bride, um, like you say in Philippians, and is without spot or wrinkle. Um, that without blemish, that we are uh, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked generation, Father, and that we would shine, um, that it wouldn't be something that uh, we rest on the fact that we have uh, salvation in you, but that we truly have a faith and a hope that carries beyond um, our local communities, Father, because ultimately that's what will bring glory to you is that when your name spreads, um, you get the opportunity to make disciples um, for your kingdom's sake. So, Father, I pray that we would be challenged, um, even myself included, Lord, even as um, I go back um, to listen to this episode for myself, Lord, that I would be challenged to struggle for your body, Lord. Um, Because, again, um, we are all about the kingdom, and everything that we do should be kingdom-focused. And so I pray that you would help us to have a heart that longs for seeing the kingdom advanced. even uh, as Christ prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Um, we have a will, and I pray that we um, would surrender that will so that uh, your will will be what's prevalent in our lives, Father. Um, convict us, Lord. Um, I know that we're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. And um, I pray that you would truly just turn on the lens and allow us to have a faith that's ever-increasing, and a hope that's um, that's steadfast, and a love that... Um, is unconditional father um and sacrificial um help us to um have these three qualities that define our our faith um that they would truly be qualities that um as paul prayed are ever increasing and that we are fully pleasing to you lord um that we don't settle just on the fact that we know you but that we want to know more of you and that we're increasing in the knowledge of you so um lord may we just continue to grow and may we always be in your spirit because lord you deserve the highest um of our devotion and we just give all of this to you in jesus name amen amen thank you for listening to her bro his sis catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you our family in christ want to chat or just stay in the know catch us on facebook and instagram at her bro his sis